preached cocktails with a blonde and brunette. I am Stephanie, one of your lovely hosts, and I am joined here today by my co-host, Kate. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, pandemic life, one day at a time. (laughs) Hoping for things to slowly open up so we get a little bit more freedom, a little bit more time out of the house. That's true. Yeah. We're almost hitting that one year mark and I think it's hurting people pretty bad. Yeah, definitely. Not fun. No, it's brutal. And it also, like you said, what we're going to talk about today is having sex or sexuality after becoming parents and how, how hard it is regularly, but now you've got a pandemic. So what are we going to do with that? I don't know, man. I mean, hang a sock on the door. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think one thing the pandemic has taught us for sure is that we really can't keep hiding from our children that we do have sex. I think this maybe comes from previous generations of not wanting their kids to know about sex early or, you know, even, I don't know about you, but I didn't really see my parents kissing even very often. Like sometimes like a little peck or they'd hold hands, but you never really saw any sexuality. And I think when you're living in close quarters, you can't, and you know, everybody's stuck together right now in a quarantine. You can't really, unless you want to do nothing, hide the fact that sex exists. No, so it's almost about like normalizing sexuality, normalizing intimacy, yeah, and talking about why it's important. Yeah, I think it's a great like for mommy, you know, mommy and mommy, daddy and daddy, like they need alone time too. Yeah, they need adult time and they need to be able to be physically connected, especially during stressful times when we're not physically connected. It makes everything that much more stressful. So I think that the quarantine has really either escalated the fact that you're not having sex and then highlighted that in your relationship if you've got kids at home or you realize that, hey, I'm going to have to actually normalize this with my kids and this could be a really great lesson for them. For sure. It's, I mean, it's hard. You're used to them going to like daycare or maybe a friend's house for the night or the grandparents will come and pick them up. Yeah. So it's really kind of trying to schedule almost time for sex, which isn't always sexy. But I mean, you can build up to the moment with anticipating it. If it's the same day every week, maybe try switching it up every once in a while from Saturday morning to Friday night. Try and keep the schedule interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And I think as parents, we often resist the idea of scheduling because it's not as fun and it's not as spontaneous and it's not as sexy. But when you are scheduling, it actually makes sure that one, you're physically connecting regularly and that your intimacy still exists. But it also allows for more spontaneous things to happen because you are showing your partner that you desire them. There is physical connection. And so you're much more likely to have a cookie in the closet if you have had these regularly scheduled dates because you haven't become disconnected. Planned sex is better than no sex. (laughs) For sure. And you, like you said, though, you can build it up, text each other throughout the day, leave each other little messages, send each other cute little pictures or, you know, take turns building up a date night. So this week it's my responsibility. Next week it's your partner's responsibility so that you each get a turn to ask for what you want. You each get a turn to give. You're learning to also like be the giver and the receiver. 
which is hard sometimes in a relationship to do both. But then it takes the responsibility of one partner and each partner has the time that they're responsible for making it really great for their partner. For sure. And I think if both people can kind of embrace it for what it is, you'll have a really good time. If you're fighting the schedule because it's not fun or spontaneous, it's not making it fun for your partner either. No. So you can find like little cute things to do, like even like, you know, rent a hotel, get a day rate, meet up at a hotel for an afternoon, have a couple of hours of, you know, intimacy and fun away from the house. You can be spontaneous and plan it, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. You can decide too that you're going to meet at the hotel and pretend that you're totally different people. For sure. I think the other thing too, you said before, you know, don't let the scheduling ruin it. So you individually have to make sure that the day of the plan, you have to figure out how you can show up in a good place. It's not your partner's job or responsibility to put you in a good place. You have to show up happy and ready to be there with your partner. Taking that ownership over your own. For sure. Especially because I feel like women are more open to the scheduling idea of sex because as the mother, you tend to be kind of like that sole parent for certain things, especially with like a new baby. There's like postpartum, Mm -hmm. your hormones are down. You're not feeling good about your body. Your boobs have changed. Your stomach's changed. So it's also kind of up to your partner that you had that child with to amp you up too. like, oh, babe, you're looking so beautiful today thinking about your sexy body. Keep in mind that if you have really young kids, the person who made those babies inside of them, they have a lot going on hormonally. So they're not necessarily going to be as charged up to have sex. So it is kind of also the responsibility of that other partner to not put a downer on the fact that it's scheduled and complain about it. You want to psych that other person up throughout the day. Absolutely. And I think, too, when we say schedule things, we don't necessarily mean that you have to have like sex, right? It could just be intimacy. You could block that time off to give each other massages, or you could block that time off to make out, or you could block that time off to, you know, self-pleasure together. It doesn't have to be sex, but just being really intimate together in that time physically. Yeah, have a hot bath together, maybe give each other massages, little things that technically always lead to sex, but then at least you're not quote-unquote planning sex exactly just planning intimacy blocking off intimacy periods in your schedule to make sure that you you stay connected it's really important because what happens when your kids are grown up and they leave right and you spent the last 20 years not being connected well that's why nothing left a lot of people get divorced at that 25 year mark and it's not because yeah they didn't have a beautiful marriage. It's not because they don't love each other. It's because they got so wrapped up in being parents that once the kids are gone, you kind of look at each other and you're like, I don't even know you. Like, who are you? Like, you know, we have sex on birthdays and special occasions because it's expected, I guess. But if you're not taking that time one-on-one with your partner, You're only going to know each other as mom and dad or mom and mom or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think when you look around, and I'm sure you can say this for your friends as well, and I can say it for a lot of my friends and even clients that I see is that our relationships disappear when we become parents and we forget that our relationship is actually the center of the family. 
And so prioritizing our relationship is the most important thing that we can do. So if that means scheduling it in every week, then schedule it in. It doesn't matter. Keep that connection because your kids grow up watching you. What type of relationship are you modeling for your children? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like they used to say like happy wife, happy life, but it's like happy parents, happy kids. Yeah. If your parents yeah. are always miserable, kids see it. Like my parents were never cuddly. Like I can literally, the one time I ever saw my parents be emotional and loving towards each other, I can remember that one time I saw it in my brain because it never happened. Like they were always like fighting or bickering or arguing. And it's because they had kids really young. They didn't get to do like the things they wanted to do. They stopped doing things together. Like they never did anything together unless it was a family event. And I literally can just only remember one time where my mom was sitting on my dad's lap and they giggled and they kissed. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah. So it's like your kids will watch too. So it's like you might feel weird, you know, saying like mommy and daddy need their alone time for a few hours, especially as your kids get older and they know what alone time means. But I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, telling your kids, you know, tonight, the TV's going off at nine o'clock. You're all going to your rooms. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like mommy and daddy need some alone time too. Absolutely. And I think I think it's so important that we normalize that so that they're also not uncomfortable. And if being open enough to it to have conversations so that they can understand, you know, why do adults or parents need time alone? What does that mean? So that they can take that forward into their relationships when they're older. For sure, because you want them to have loving, intimate, beautiful relationships. So you need to kind of model that for them too. And I don't know about you. I'm always happier if I've had sex like the next day. You know what I mean? Like when you and your partner have sex, the next day is always better. Like it always Always. starts better. There's like the good warning text. There's the, ooh, last night was so good. It just It's a good way to keep happiness alive in your relationship. Right, because sexual pleasure is joy, right? It brings it to all of the cells of your body. And so if you're disconnecting from that and then trying to live a really stressful life and parent and work and do quarantine and do COVID and do whatever, how are you supposed to survive in joy? You can't. No. And you can think outside the box. Like we mentioned hotels, obviously. But like you can have sex in your car, If you have tinted windows, you can have sex in your car. If you have an RV sitting in the driveway that you normally would take away camping, you can go have sex in there. Like there's lots of places you can go and hide for 20 minutes to an hour and have a good time without actually having to book a hotel and leave your house. Like if your kids are napping, put on that monitor, go out into your driveway, have sex in your car. Trying to be a teenager all over again. Like where can we hide? What can we do? Right. And it really puts your desire levels up too to have to be creative and spontaneous and find special places. It's funny. I was reading this thing on Facebook and it's this older couple and they're talking about sex as like elderly people. So like in their like nineties and this guy was talking to his wife and he's like, Oh, we should go back to our old spot where we used to have sex, like behind this restaurant. So these two old people go back to this part, this part of the restaurant behind it where they used to have sex up against this fence. 
And this cop sees them undressing, but he's like, you know what? They're in their 90s. They want to go at it behind a restaurant, go at it behind a restaurant. And the cop sits there in amazement and he's watching them have sex. And he's like, they're going at it like rabbits for like 20 minutes. And then they both just like pass out on the ground. Like they gave it their all. And so after about 15 minutes, they could get their, you know, shit back together. They're a little more, you know, level-headed. Their breathing's calm down. They're starting to put their clothes back on. And the cop goes, man, I didn't mean to pry, but like, how do you guys have such a good sex life after all this time? And she goes, well, you know, 30 years ago, that fence wasn't electric. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just a little humor. But yeah, I mean, you want to keep having sex now. So that way, when you are older, you still have a good sex life, like until the day you die. Yeah, it's it's so important. And I think that people forget the importance of it. But like you said, the next day is always so much better. And so if we know this, why are we denying ourselves this? Because we're trying to hide it from our children or we're trying to make it so that it fits in somewhere. Prioritize it. Make it really important. Make it a 10 out of 10 on your priority list. Find time for it. Does it mean that you have to get up an hour early? Set your alarm an hour early. Let the kids keep sleeping. Yeah, right? that extra hour of sleep is not going to make you happier than an hour of sex. It's just a fact. 100% it's fact. And if you're, or if you're night people, then put the kids to bed, get them organized and stay up late. Find a way to make it a priority because you will lose yourselves, which means that later on, you're not going to have each other. My one girlfriend, they wake up every morning at 5 a.m. so that they can have an hour, an hour and a half alone time, a.k.a. sex. She's like, it took me a while to like get used to like the 5 a.m. sex. She goes, but instead of going to the gym, we just work out in the bedroom. And so her kids know that mommy and daddy wake up early to work out. Right. But like really it's like a sexual workout. So it's it's good for you. I mean, you're burning calories, your heart rate's getting up, but you're also getting that like alone time with your partner and your kids know it. So they know they're not coming in your room, even if they wake up early because mommy and daddy are working out. And setting that boundary. This is mommy and daddy's time. And that time is very important. Yeah. So and I'm really, your you- kids shouldn't be coming into your bedroom unless they're asked anyways. Kind of my opinion. Unless they have a nightmare or there's something. Yeah, but that's when you knock on the door and you ask. <laughs> yeah. You can tell I don't have children. <laughs> Our policy is if the door is closed, you knock and you ask. If it's open, that's an open invitation. Yeah, fair enough. You can, like your friends, learn to get up at five o'clock, right? We have a thing where we'll set our alarm for 40 minutes before we're supposed to get up. And so I always get up earlier and work out. So it's actually 40 minutes earlier than I would get up so that we can snuggle. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to us. We do that every day. It helps create physical intimacy. Yeah, you got to add it in where you can, right? Especially like if you don't get that kind of down pat after your first child and you keep adding more kids, it's just going to get harder and harder. But then I also wonder how people create multiple children if they're not having sex. That's true. Although I think sometimes what happens is like they plan. That's the thing. It's like it becomes a priority because they decide they want another child. And so then sex becomes a priority again. Not for the pleasure, not for the joy, not for the connection, but for the purpose of having a child. So they make it work. So there's absolutely no excuse for allowing yourself to become disconnected from your partner and not prioritizing sex. If you can do it to have another kid, you can do it to be connected to your partner. For sure. Well, when we get that, like, obviously, like, there's 
you know, for a lot of women, postpartum is a thing and you're not going to feel like having sex, but that's where it's up to whoever you're having sex with your partner to like boost your ego, buy you something cute that maybe covers you up a little bit. So you feel more confident. I mean, I know my one girlfriend, she loves lingerie, but it's because she's had two babies, both C-sections, both botched. So she hates the way her belly looks. So she's like, I can have a really great sexual experience with my husband if my stomach's covered, if my stomach's not covered, I just feel awkward and weird and like all these things. So she makes it a point to spice things up in the bedroom by ordering lingerie that she feels good in, not so much leaving it up to her husband to pick something that he probably thinks she looks fabulous in, but she's not comfortable. So you got to help yourself too. Yes. And I think you also highlighted the fact that like there's a lot more going on after you have had children so this isn't just about you know you don't feel like having sex or you're tired it does come into effect that you've got you could have postpartum you know your the chemicals in your body change your body changes overall there's new frustrations there's depression there's all these things that we do have to consider but one of the ways that you can battle all of that is really staying connected with your partner and making sure that you have a strong foundation so that you can overcome those things together but if you're not physically intimate with them in any way it's almost impossible to have a strong foundation and so at first maybe you don't want to have sex maybe you just massage each other maybe you have the bath that you were talking about or have a shower it doesn't always have to be sex but just being really physically intimate with each other is so so important i love that your girlfriend orders crazy lingerie like that's awesome yeah and she's like i don't i'm not gonna wait for him to do it and if you order stuff that you like you're ultimately gonna feel you're gonna feel sexier why not dress up and your you, body? exactly and if that's your thing or maybe she likes it when like the lights are dim so instead she puts out candles right we there are ways to work around all these things and i know that there are extreme cases and i've worked with women who their body image is really really bad but it you can work on it you can heal that part of you so that you can have this connection again yeah. And like, even for myself, like, I feel like I'm hot. I love the way I look. I still don't want to have sex under a spotlight. <laughs> right. Just, you know, all the imperfections that might be there. I don't want you to see them. Like I love them, but I don't know. There's some about a dim light that just makes it that much easier to be well, intimate and spontaneous and explorative and fun. I feel that it's definitely true. The bright light is not super sexy. No, but like if you're into it, go for it. But yeah, to me, bright lights, I just feel like it's like a production studio and I'm not really, I'm not really into it. (laughs) Yeah. And we're not saying like you have to have sex every single day, but you do need to find a balance Mm -hmm. that works for you and your partner that you're both okay with. If you're both cool with once a week, then once a week is what you make sure you do. If you need twice a week, you make sure that's what you do. If for some reason you only want it once a month and you're both okay with that, you still need to make sure you're taking time to communicate. Just have one-on-one time, hold hands, snuggle, because intimacy is ultimately what bonds us all together, whether it's a friendship, a partnership, a romantic relationship. Intimacy is literally the glue that keeps us all in relationship yeah. of any kind. Absolutely. And it, you, that you, that is a super important part is making sure that you have that communication time and really asking each other what's important to you. 
what is your ideal? Is your ideal every day? Because my ideal is twice a week. So how do you meet in the middle? Or if yours is once a month and mine's every day, how do we find a place in the middle that works for both of us? Yeah, because I mean, even if you don't have kids, you can have other things that get in the way of your intimacy and the amount that you might have sex with your partner. Like you could start a new business and that ends up being your baby or you've gone back to school yeah. and you're like an undergrad or you're writing a paper. It could be anything that takes significant time away from your relationship. You can apply all these same principles to that as well. For sure. I think the reason we are focusing on parenting is because this is something that one of our, actually a few of our listeners have actually asked for was sex during parenting or intimacy during parenting. But yeah, like anything that is like your baby, like a business or your grad school or even taking care of your elderly parents, right? Or if there's somebody in your family who needs you, these are all things that will take you away from your family. And so creating almost like a contract with each other, like, hey, this is what's important for me. This is important for you. Here's how we can meet in the middle. Okay, what can we do to make sure that that happens? Yep. And I mean, as always, like bring stuff in to spice it up. If it's not something you're wanting to like, I, I've never had a baby, but I know that after women have babies, like even like the vagina changes, not necessarily the size. I'm not talking about that, but in terms of like wetness and like vaginal dryness and things like that. So like bring in your lube, bring in your sexy lingerie, put on some heels, get Mm -hmm. some lipstick you know, if you've got men in your life, like get a like hot, sexy pair of boxers, do your hair, brush your damn teeth, groom a little downstairs. Like, yes, you're going to have to add some things to it that you wouldn't have had to before, but like just spice it up. Well, I think another thing too is after you've had kids, things change and how you like sex or intimacy And so learning to really ask each other, what feels good? What do you want? You know, is this pressure good? Because you said before, women's bodies change a lot. Our hormones change a lot. And what we liked yesterday may not exist today. And so always asking, checking in. And I think that's probably something that exists always. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think you have kids for that to happen. Although during pregnancy and after pregnancy, our, everything does change a lot. But really just being mindful of that and asking what feels good, what doesn't feel good, can I do something differently? And not taking it personally when your partner tells you, oh, I'd like this instead of that. Totally fine. Well, in the female body too, like after you have a child, you you literally don't feel like having sex for a reason. Your body hormonally changes changes so that you don't end up pregnant again. Like it's almost like your hormones are like, you just had a baby. We don't want you to desire sex too much because we need time to heal. So it almost lowers your sex drive on purpose so that you don't end up with another pregnancy right after. Like it's actually a scientific thing. So like you can't be super hard on yourself, but you do need to take responsibility for your sex drive. Right. And I think reconnecting with your own body, especially after pregnancy and really connecting back to you, like a self-pleasure routine is super important. Learning what your body likes now, doesn't like what feels good, what feels awful so that you have a place to tell your partner, Hey, you know, all these things have changed. This is what feels good now. 
And we talked about this back in our masturbation episode about how if we don't know what we like, that's just not even fair to any of our partners. And this goes for men or women. Mm -hmm. And so after pregnancy, especially going back and starting a new self-pleasure practice where you can learn about your body all over again before you are able to communicate that with your partner. Super important. For sure. hundred percent. And like having sex with a pregnant woman is totally okay. I know a lot of men are afraid of it. Some guys really are into it, but some guys are terrified. Like once that belly starts popping, they're like, oh my God, I'm going to hit my kid. Like A, you're probably not that long. (laughs) B, you won't. The baby's fine. Like it's totally fine. It's no different than bouncing on a ball. Yeah. Well, another thing too is like if you do, your baby just moves away. It's like if you poked it in the baby and it moved to the other side. Right. Like these things happen all the time. So go for it. If your partner is willing to have sex and loving having sex when they're pregnant, go at it. Yeah. And you can always like, you know, take her from behind. Then you don't have to like stare at the belly, you know, because I feel like if I was a guy, I'd be like, oh, my God, like my kids in there. Like it's almost like having sex with your kids in the room. But like it's not. (laughs) Well, I think something big happens for men, too, because. So this is something that I've experienced before with both pregnancies was that before I was pregnant, I was just Kate, right? Like not that I was just anything, but they could have sex. We could have sex in whatever way. And it was purely sexual. It was purely just about us. But then as soon as I became a parent, I remember my husband saying to me, I can't fuck you the same way. Cause now you're the mother of my child. It's weird to be like dirty sex with you. And I was like, what? I'm like, our sex life has to change because you can't be very sexy with me anymore. Now you just have to be like vanilla sex because I'm the mother of your child. I'm like, fuck this. It was hard yeah. to like work through that because he was like, no, it's like now, like I can't be rough with you. Or I can't do this because like you're the mother. It was all of a sudden I became this goddess that was untouchable because I was the mother of his child. It was a really strange oh. transformation we had to work through yeah because I never even thought about it like that yeah well and then my first husband was just afraid to get me pregnant again so that was a whole other story because he was like no now you're a mom moms don't have sex so this is another reason why you have to tell your children about sex because kids grow up thinking that they can't have moms don't have sex and then there's these women who are unhappy and not being pleased because boys think that they can't have sex with (laughs) with moms so that is another thing that yeah I can remember a time when I was a teenager and my mom would purposely tell us Friday night, you're like no computer, like you're going to bed an hour early. And I'm like, why? And then one day she just was like, listen, because I'm going to have sex with your father. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like whatever. Never again, once ever questioned my bedtime again. But I can see looking back as an adult, it was a period where they were really trying to work on their marriage. And so your kids will get it, like, especially now as an adult. I'm like, yeah, okay, my parents had sex and they would just tell us to go to bed earlier. And it wasn't a weird thing. It was only weird because they made it weird by like tiptoeing around why we had to go to bed early. And I'm like, okay, well, if Saturday's sex night, I'm just going to go sleep at my girlfriend's house every Saturday and y'all can have a great time. The uncomfortability of not knowing what's going on and the tiptoeing around and the secrecy that makes it hard. And it's only awkward 
the first time you say it out loud and you're like, holy shit, I just said that to my kids. Mm -hmm. And after that, you fully normalize it so that you can say, okay, this is mommy, daddy's time, you know, however you choose to talk about it. But it's the same as if you let your kids grow up and think that their vaginas or their penises are like hooey's and dewey's. And then all of a sudden they're teenagers and they're thinking, oh, like my hooey and my dewey or whatever. If you don't give proper terms to kids and teach them the right things, they can never once talk about it, which is why we also have problems talking about sex later. So if we teach our kids when they're younger, mommy and daddy are going to have sex. This is our time together. You know, it gets rid of all that weirdness later for them when they're teenagers. Yep. 100%. This one neighbor, I used to watch her kids. They were in a rock band and her kids knew about everything, like everything. And they were like, you know, my mom and dad, like they have sex a lot. They really love each other. Uh, they play in a band. The band was like something, it had porn star in the name. And I was like, oh my God, these kids. But the kids were like, no, porn is just like a natural thing. Some people like to watch it. Um, they knew about uh, homosexuality. They knew mm -hmm. about how two men have sex and how two women have sex. None of these kids were old enough to have sex, but it was so normal to them because they'd been not wrongfully exposed. It's just when they had questions about sex, they were told the actual story of what happens. It wasn't like, well, when two men get together, they snuggle and like one snuggles near the bum. No, they were like, when two men have sex, they have anal sex typically, if it's, you know, or they'll have oral sex. Like these kids knew everything yeah. like in an anatomical term and they were not weirded out by it at all. Me as their babysitter, I was like, oh my God. But it's because in my house, sex was like, until I was a bit older, it just wasn't talked about. It wasn't mentioned. Mm -hmm. Just it wasn't something you asked about. You'll learn about it in school is what I was told. Right. Which we never are. Um, I don't think that my parents ever told me about sex. I didn't, I didn't even know what my period was. My mom, like we never even had those talks. I literally, when I got my period, thought I was dying. Me too. And so, <laughs> yeah. And I think that we do a disservice to our kids by really hiding all these things from them when we could really educate them well so that they're prepared mm -hmm. like I can remember being told that if I had sex before I got married that I was mm -hmm. never gonna make it into heaven and that yeah. I would be dirty and that my body was a temple and once that temple is entered by anybody it's no longer good right like my poor boyfriends I would hold their hands maybe <laughs> it was very Ooh. hard to be affectionate with people because you were scared to death mm -hmm. fear of god yeah right in you when i started my schooling for my sex love and relationship coaching on one of the very first calls there was a woman who had joined the program as well and i actually don't know if she finished but we did group coaching and she was talking to my teacher and she was bawling her eyes out she was in her 30s she never had sex she never touched herself she'd never done anything so a strange program to sign up for because she had been told that her body was God's and that she would die if anything ever touched her that wasn't her husband. Wow. And so part of this, her taking this program was that in her brain, she knew that this was not true. But subconsciously, it had been so put into her that she literally thought that she was going to die. She was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. 
because the literally the fear of death had been put into her that if she or anybody else touched her in any way, if it wasn't a husband, she would die because God would kill her and strike her dead right there. That's so sad. What a disservice that poor young girl had. So sad. And she like trying to talk about her parents and be like, well, they were just doing the best for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine right now what you go through. You're in your 30s and you are literally terrified of touching your own body because you will die. Well, and on some level, that type of programming will stop you from finding a loving relationship or a loving husband. You almost detach from any kind of intimacy whatsoever. Yes. And you could tell by the way she dressed, by the way that her hair was done. Like she was so... Such a good girl in every mm-hmm. single way. Was, that fear was so, so deep in her subconscious that, yeah, how would you ever find a partner? Right? How, you wouldn't. I mean, she was, no, she was so inapproachable and so straight and so terrified in her entire body that she would reject anything. Wow. It's it crazy. Like, yeah. I always say to my friends who are parents, I'm like, you don't need to try and be perfect. You just need to be better than what your parents were for you. Like, there's no handbook, but it's 2021. You can't shelter your kids. They have the internet. They're not dumb. By the time they're four years old, they know how to open a tablet, go on YouTube, type in videos. These kids have all this knowledge at their fingertips. Like, you might as well be honest with them. Yes. Yes. And it's hard because we were never taught that, but it's really important. Mm-hmm. It's really important. And not just scaring our kids about sex. Cause I think that's the other thing that we fall back on is like, let's scare our kids about sex and teach them all the things they have to protect themselves against sex. But we never teach them the part about sex where it's like, sex is really pleasurable. It's how you stay connected to your partner. It's important. Your body needs this. It's okay to feel pleasure and joy. Yeah. And you just, after you tell them all the good stuff, that's when you tell them about the responsibilities that come with this great thing. Yeah. And that's a great way to approach it. Which is, yeah. Not like scariness. It's just like, you know, it's like if you're going to ride your bike, you love riding your bike, wear your fucking helmet. I'm not going to tell my kid every time they leave the house, if you don't wear your helmet, you're going to crack your head and become brain damaged or bleed out on the street it's just we've talked about the fact that like a helmet protects you kind of like a condom would you don't have to go into all the scary details it's just like this is why we wear condoms to protect us from a b c d but it feels really freaking good just make sure you wear a condom you know what i mean like little things it's important and so use your relationship with your partner to model these things for your kids but also to make sure that you really stay connected so that you're not those people who are getting divorced because you forgot to prioritize your relationship from the very beginning. Well, it's like, um, you know, I love the Real Housewives. I don't know why I always have to bring this into our uh, podcast here. But there's like the newest one. They're all Mormons in Utah. Oh, wow. And so a lot of like the sex before marriage and things like that come up. And the one lady, she's like, I tried to do everything right. I married the nice Mormon guy. I didn't have sex before I got married. I had kids. I taught my kids about abstinence. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Her husband up and left her. Like just up and left her. 
And she's like, I missed out on so much. And so now she has three daughters and she's like, we talk about sex. We talk about the health of sex, how fun sex can be. And she goes, my daughters can choose to follow like the Mormon faith if they want to. But at the same time, I hope my daughters go out there and explore new people and new things and have a lot of sex and have a lot of fun so that they end up with the person they're going to have the best life with, not the most, quote unquote, correct life with. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really. So, important. yeah. Mm, like it's just sex, guys. Like your son or your daughter is not less than if they or more than if they save themselves till marriage. Like it's, it that should be a personal choice, not a put on someone choice. Absolutely. And if you choose to do that, good, amazing. That's your choice and you stick to your boundaries and you do what feels good for you. But if you're doing it out of fear of fucking God or the fear of your parents, that is not safe. It's not good for you. No, definitely not. No, sex is key, man. It's totally key. It's the way that we can connect to the divine. And I think we've talked about that before. And I think you said something, you're like, oh God, everybody's going to hate me for saying this. But sex is connecting with the universe and connecting with God, right? That is it's literally, re- it's literally how we're all here. None of us would be here if two people did not have sex or like, obviously there's science now, but like for the past bajillion years, people have been fucking to make us. So why is sex bad? Like it can't be bad. If it was bad, there wouldn't be billions of people on this planet. There'd be a handful. (laughs) I think that, yes. And I think too, I mean, we've talked about this before too, is men's pleasure is always highlighted and how that's really important. But I think it's time that women's pleasure is also highlighted and that they're equal, right? So ask for what you want. Tell your partner, like, I need this. And maybe that is for you a bath where you just hold each other. But ask for what you want. Well, split it up. One week, two weeks his. One week's yours, one week's his. Or hers and hers, his and his, whatever it works. But take turns. Well, yeah, but I just feel like even just from a scientific standpoint to say that men's pleasure is more important than women's is bullshit because we can literally have multiple orgasms in a very short span of time. We can have crazier orgasms than men can. So to say that a male's sex or whatever is more important is bullshit. If it was more important, they'd be the ones who could have multiple orgasms within a small time period. Do you know what I'm saying? So really... Whoever created their bodies wanted women to have a lot of sex. And a lot of pleasure. We weren't given a clit with 8,000 nerve endings in it just for pleasure that has no reproductive purposes for no reason. Well, yeah. And ours is like literally on display. Like it's not hidden up the ass. It's like right there. (laughs) Right there. So if you feel like we missed anything though, or you have any specific questions about your sex life as parents, just DM us. Shoot us a little link, a little private message. We're happy to uh, go back around and answer your questions if we didn't in this podcast. Yeah, I'd love to do another parenting one with just answering questions. But Cole's notes for this one, prioritize your sex life, normalize it to your children, schedule it in. Amen to that. (laughs) I'm so cheeky. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we are 
also now on Twitter. Woo! So you can follow us there at Cocktails with BB. Same handle as our Instagram account. You can always find us on Facebook in our private group, Cocktails with a Blonde and Brunette. Make sure you're spelling cocktails our way, which is the C-O-C-K-T-A-L-E-S. I know some of you have had problems finding us because you're spelling it like the drink. And as much as we love that spelling, we like ours better. Because we've got the tales for you, the stories, the info. Yeah, we're missing the cocks, but we definitely have the tales. (laughs) That's right. All right, guys. Well, we hope you really enjoyed this episode and we look forward to coming back into your airwaves next week. Sounds good. We'll see you guys next week. Ciao.